0: Howdy 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 everyone. Welcome to Forge and Anvil. I am Connor. He is Michael. We are together in person for once and we are actually recording this in advance so even though it's going to be premiering live we are not actually live so we appreciate you sending in your chats as always. Unfortunately we will not respond to any of them tonight because we won't see them. Who knows? Maybe one of us will be in the live chat
1: while it's actually premiering.
0: We'll see. I don't know. We'll, well find leave out. Leave a
1: comment anyway, and we'll be sure to get back to you.
0: Please do. And be sure to join us when we actually go live again after all of these pre recorded episodes are done. The reason why we're doing a couple of pre recorded episodes for the next few weeks is because uh, baby number two for my family should be arriving uh, any day now. Uh, by the time this comes out. So we're just getting a few things ready to go. So um, whether my uh, wife is in labor or not, or postpartum or just about to start, either way, I'm going to have a couple weeks off and uh, give us Michael a couple weeks off too. So anyways, we appreciate you joining us. Feel free to hit that like button. Follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter at Forge and A. If you're listening to this on Spotify, join us sometime for a Monday night live, usually live at 8 p.m. Central. But tonight, not live, if we're not clear on that. Anyways, <laughs> I wanted to go ahead and turn it over to Michael to introduce what we're talking about today. Um, a little bit out of the ordinary, not doing the typical news stories and uh, weekly breakdown of the news cycle. Instead, we're doing a little bit more uh,
1: evergreen. So All right. We spend a majority of our time discussing, as Connor said, news cycle topics as well as controversial issues that plague our society and plague our culture. So, tonight we're going to take it from the perspective that we admire most, which is the biblical, theological perspective of how we should be approaching these conversations on a weekly basis and how we want to conduct ourselves in response to the people that disagree with us and the people that we would hope to persuade into truth and righteousness. In order to achieve this, we're going to spend some time, almost like a pseudo Bible study, going through 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 22 through 26 so i'm going to begin just by reading that so we have a starting place and then we'll break it down and go through some of the concepts more in depth so again that's second timothy chapter 2 verse 22 and on so flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord from a pure heart So Connor, what's the first thing that jumps out at you in this text? There's a lot there,
0: Um, but uh, if we were to just start from sort of the top, immediately the first thing I think of is flee youthful passions, so I think it'd be a good idea to maybe speculate on what youthful passions are. Given the the greater context of this verse, I'm assuming youthful passions would be more of a probably an unwise zeal that a person may feel in their youth towards handling um, disagreements and the the foolish, ignorant controversies that are mentioned um, in the the very next verse. So that being said, um, well, I'll just turn it over to you to see um, what you think those youthful passions are before I go on.
1: Well, immediately prior to this verse, uh, it's talking about... Being dishonorable and cleansing yourself from what is dishonorable in order to do every good work, to be ready for every good work is how verse 21 ends. And we have this preposition in verse 22 that says, so, almost like a a pseudo, therefore, and in light of the being ready for every good work and fleeing what is dishonorable, being cleansed from what is dishonorable, therefore flee the youthful passions. And there's a dichotomy that exists in this verse, even within the specific sentence. It says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So there's two elements here. One is that the youthful passions are in opposition to righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Secondly, that they are the youthful passions are in opposition to the camaraderie of those who also are pursuing the Lord. Mm. So it's important to recognize that not only are we put in a position where we want to rid ourselves of youthful passions, but when we do, we need to hold on to someone who's on the same trajectory. Mm. There's a lot to be wrapped up into this one sentence regarding that, but youthful passions we see this in the conversations that we have on a regular basis, whether that be so often we discuss transgenderism and the sexual issues that plague our society of people thinking that they need to find their identity in their sexuality or in their self-described self-proclaimed identity that in itself is a passion of youthfulness that we are seeing take over the trajectory of our, of our culture and of the way that we identify ourselves so when i think of this in the context of what we discuss on a regular basis particularly in politics politics is absolutely inundated with youthful passions of promoting self-identity yeah
0: yeah i agree and when i when i th- i think the easier way for me to break this down is to is to kind of take the entire passages that you read as a whole because i think something that i immediately think of is okay we're talking about um, flee youthful passions. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, uh, mm-hmm. especially love and peace. Because I think one of the things that we need to tackle here is is when to bring up an issue and when to leave an issue be. I think that's ultimately what a lot of this uh, this a lot of that's the big question that these verses raise to me, especially in the context of what we do here on a regular basis when we break down the news cycles and try to give um, our own faith-based perspective. Um, And of course, not all of our guests have the same uh, theological background and not everyone is even a Christian that we have on here. Oftentimes we uh, bring on guests who we think are going to be entertaining as well as informative. Um, But uh, as far as we are concerned as the hosts, we try to bring that biblical perspective. And so immediately there are individuals within the church Um, who don't want you to talk politics at all, because any Mm -hmm. politics is considered controversial. Any politics is considered um, a third rail, or uh, just basically it's a no-go zone, as far as uh, many major evangelical
1: churches in America are concerned. Do you think that's because Christians do a poor job of representing themselves?
0: I think sometimes that is the case. I think beyond that, there is a, a poor theology of Romans 13 that I think really has beat the church into silence. Um, I believe it was initially Jimmy Carter, who um, or it might have been Lyndon Johnson. Now, now I'm forgetting. No, it was definitely Carter, who um, actually made it to where a church can lose their tax-exempt status for speaking politically. So that is a lot of where we see pastors uh, initially began to get really silent on political issues. Um, there's a couple of pastors that stand out on this, like Jack Hibbs in California actually apparently sends a copy of his sermon to uh, the, I believe, the IRS every uh, every Sunday and basically says like, hey, does this cross the line? And <laughs> and in a way, he's kind of keeping that Overton window actually at a pretty uh Um, A pretty reasonable um, range for us who want to speak politically from the pulpit. But even beyond the pulpit, I think that the poor theology of Romans 13 has really beat the church into thinking that we are not allowed to talk politics. We are supposed to submit to our rulers no matter what they're doing up until up and including sinning. And that is really making it to where um, so much of the church is silent. And beyond that, it's also just the niceness, which we can talk about that uh, after you uh, bring bring the scripture up.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Romans 13, since that's what we're discussing uh, just briefly. I'll read the first verse is, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. It continues in this chapter to explain that God has appointed those authorities in place. So you are honoring God by honoring those authorities and not to resist them, And why would we fear the authority that God has put in place? Because if they have been put in place and they're doing the good work of the Lord. Which is situational at best. There's also an aspect of this where it says, because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed and leaves us with the question of to whom are these things owed? And does the government that is in authority over us qualify as being ministers of God? Are they appointed by God in authority over us? And there's a, there's a few different perspectives on this. There is because I think the viewer especially might, might initially feel that, No, they're not ministers of God. Screw them all, as is our persuasion, it tends to be. And then we'd have to go back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh? I I might even, I mean, yes, Pharaoh, but also I think of Habakkuk. The the prophet Habakkuk specifically, he comes with a complaint to God. Go read Habakkuk. Christians never read it, so do yourself a favor. It's the crispy part of your Bible. (laughs) That's right. the, The pages that are still stuck together, yeah. Uh, not different type of crispy. <laughs> Habakkuk is a prophet of God who his whole story, the the message that is being told in the prophet, the, the prophetic book of Habakkuk, is he comes to God complaining and he says, God, why have you let Babylon totally rule over Israel? You've allowed these horrible atrocities to take place' And here we are and the diaspora Jews. These are Jews that are relocated out of Israel. They were taken into Babylon in the exile. This is roughly 600 um, BC. Well, 900 to 600 BC. Anyway, Habakkuk is struggling with God and literally complaining, saying, why would you do this to us? And God himself says, Babylon is my judgment you don't understand what i'm doing and let me explain it to you and it's a habakkuk is very similar in nature to the book of job or the book of ecclesiastes it's a wisdom a prophetic wisdom that speaks to the nature of god and how his justice is enacting in, in the world right. even through tyrannical means not to say that god has made tyranny but that he leverages tyranny to the advantage of righteousness and this is what i think talking about pharaoh even prior to the exodus in genesis uh, chapter 50 verse 20 joseph says to his brothers what well, you have meant for evil god has meant for good and for the saving of many people and he yeah. says this to his brothers after being tortured both physically and emotionally over a period of many years through many trials and similarly God points to Habakkuk and says, I have meant this for these reasons and you don't understand it, nor do you have the capacity to understand it. My point in the context of Romans is that when we regard the governing authorities and how we should submit ourselves to the governing authorities, Romans 13 may not only pertain to the authorities that do as we see fit, but also those who may enact the judgment of God's righteousness. Right,
0: right, exactly. But then, of course, we have to go back to the church and why politics is considered a no-go zone in general. Because so many people take just Romans 13 to mean that we submit to our authorities no matter what, which is true to a point, of course, because we believe that all authorities are appointed by, by God, as we believe that he is sovereign in that. And uh, that includes Joe Biden. That includes Donald Trump. That includes Kim Jong Un. I mean, that every yeah. every leader, every ruler, as as you know, we would put it, um, and but that, but that being said, of course, we have to talk about okay. Beyond submitting to our rulers, the other reason why we don't talk about politics is this issue of being nice, okay. So, and forgive me because I'm still kind of gathering my thoughts on this, but ultimately, because so many people find their identity in certain, certain sins, for example, um, specifically in the area of the sexual sins, because that's a hot button one, that's, that's one of the biggest no-go zones, mm-hmm. um, because people find their identity in that, it's always seen as an attack, no matter how it is worded. In fact, I I saw an article that was talking about how um, basically they were attacking Matt Walsh. And those of you who know Matt Walsh, Matt Walsh does not go easy on the LGBTQ community. Um, And they were basically saying something to the degree of, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if Matt Walsh had some reasonable critiques and to which Matt Walsh responding to this article said, what would be a reasonable critique? Because the reality is there is none. That's the unfortunate reality. There is no acceptable critique that you can do right now of the transgender movement that doesn't automatically get you seen as a bigot to someone who is struggling with that. Now well, that- to the
1: purveying media that would want to paint that perspective in that correct way. The correct. individuals in our society may be less willing to cast the first stone. Yeah. But but There's many lot of, the of transgender voice. individuals
0: as well, though. Yeah. They do say it's literally genocide to deny and mm-hmm. not affirm their identity because you're you're killing their identity is how they view it. So that's why yep. you're literally causing genocide. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm I'm a little bit all over the place, but to to come b- back home, the reality is the the larger evangelical church in America doesn't want us to hurt our witness. And that is the issue that I see is because um, there's this magical belief in evangelical Christianity in America that says that you're going to witness to a person by how you live. Whether you ever confront their sin, somehow you're going to magically save these people, which you have to remember that an essential part of the gospel is repent. The kingdom of the Lord is at hand. Yeah. You know, and and that's the big thing that, that this line of thinking doesn't work because the reality is it sounds great on paper. And American Christians have been sold this idea that you cannot hurt your witness because if you hurt your witness, you're going to hurt your ability to save people. But you know what? You're not going to save people by giving them a watered down
1: gospel. Nor are we responsible for saving people in the first place. Right. We have no capacity to do that. There's, I, I want to address something from the biblical narrative. I, like we just referenced Habakkuk, Genesis, even Exodus to an extent with Pharaoh's uh, interaction with, with the people of Israel. Um, in the context of Romans 13, where we're set to respect and even submit ourselves to governing authorities, I want to clarify that a little bit because in this context of habakkuk when god says to habakkuk here's why babylon has been my justice for israel we can't forget the entire context of israel in babylon having been exiled from their own home and the the verse that every college freshman girl gets tattooed is <laughs> jeremiah 29:11 yep <laughs> Which says, "I know the for I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. Plans for you to prosper, yada yada. It feels really good. The context of that verse is enlightening, and I think if more Christians understood it, maybe they wouldn't have it tattooed on them as often, because it is predicated upon suffering, mm-hmm. and they are suffering under the tyranny of Babylon. Yep. And the word of Jeremiah the prophet to the people of Israel through the Lord is that. When you're in the land that is foreign to you, your job is not to be miserable. Your job is to procreate. Your job is to have festivals and to worship the Lord your God because I know the plans that I have for you, which is a similar message to Habakkuk, that when you're suffering and you're enduring tyranny, there is yet hope. Now, coincidentally,
0: Jeremiah 29 actually it actually does um, speak to politics specifically. Um, let me see here. Let's see. It does talk about praying for the land that you, that the Lord essentially put Israel in. It talks about um, praying for the welfare of, of the city or land. I'm trying to remember which verse it is. It's right around uh, verse 11 though. Um let me seek see the here. welfare. This is verse yes, seven. Yes, thank you. Seek the welfare. That was, I was looking for my, my yeah. cue to verse seven. Seek, seek
1: the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare.
0: Yep, oh. exactly. In its welfare, you will find your welfare.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: this is this is this is talking about being under Babylon. Yeah, and this is talking about in exile. You were supposed to care about the, the land in which you were placed
1: in. <laughs> Let's think of a prime example of this is the book of Daniel. When Daniel himself is in Babylon under the king Nebuchadnezzar and in the courts as a wise man, presumably, after having been stripped of his identity, which was in Israel, after having watched Nebuchadnezzar desecrate the temple of God and take the lampstand out of the temple and put it in his own collections, He serves Nebuchadnezzar with dignity, and yet Mm -hmm. he does not compromise his values and exercises civil disobedience when necessary. Yeah. And the same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Civil disobedience. Yeah.
0: And so to the point, (laughs) in American culture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Daniel, Christianity Today would be writing articles talking about <laughs> how they're not loving their neighbor. That's right. And yeah. if you saw that, if you know what I'm referring to, <laughs> they specifically talked about Oliver Anthony's new mm-hmm. song. They said how uh, Richmond Norfolk, Richmond does not love your neighbor because he has some light about about welfare. Uh, he says if you're five foot three and three hundred pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your box of fudge rounds, which is hilarious. First of all, but beyond writing. being hilarious, yeah. Christianity Today said that it's not loving your neighbors on welfare. That is a prime example of what I'm talking about. It is something that sounds good at first glance, but with further scrutiny, you immediately realize that that is just a load of garbage. Because first of all, specifically talking about Oliver Anthony's lyrics, if you're five foot three and 300 pounds and you're using tax welfare to buy a box of fudge rounds, then sorry, you're not someone that should be on welfare.
1: Or you're misusing the allocated funds for that welfare.
0: Correct. That that's a other, better that's a better correction.
1: Because the welfare itself is not the problem. It's the mishandling of it.
0: Right. And so ultimately, if if I want to just sit at home and abuse the welfare that I've been given and Michael's paying for it, I'm not loving Michael. Okay so that's what his song is about that line is about that it's a frustration and obviously Oliver Anthony you know he's crass with his with some of his lyrics but it's a great song and it res- resonates with people because he is talking about something real which is he is screaming out being this man that honestly our society currently forgets the Oliver Anthony's in the world much more than so many of the other victims that are currently being propped up as the main victims of our society who choose to be victims who choose to be victims the Oliver Anthony's are the real victims statistically when you talk about suicide rates among among men when you talk about um, just poverty rates when you talk about addiction I mean Mm -hmm. read hillbilly elegy if you haven't already and it describes Appalachia and that whole culture and what has happened to them in america under recent decades and so the reality is we are not going to be loving (laughs) the oliver anthony's of the world by pretending that the welfare state is fine the way it is and of course that doesn't mean that we go and pick fights of every single person on welfare and this is a lot of what we're talking about it's this discernment that's what we're really talking about with these verses is and maybe we won't have time to answer every single multifaceted argument that can be made about when we address things. But ultimately what we're talking about here is is—is ultimately it, you shouldn't care about every controversy. That's what I believe the, that the original verses in Timothy are talking about. Oh. You shouldn't care about every single stupid controversy.
1: Well, let's read the next verse. The, the very next verse. This is Second 2 Timothy 2.23 Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversy. You know that they breed quarrels.
0: And just to give an example when it comes to politics, something that we rarely do is we rarely talk about um, we rarely talk about specific commentators saying, you know, dunking on other commentators. Uh, there is a a portion of the online political commentary space that just Candace Owens says, Blankety blank about Chank Yuger from the Young Turks. You know, it's just it's just like back and forth e drama. I mentioned Matt Walsh a moment ago because it wasn't me saying Matt Walsh bashes like Joe Smith. You know, um, I think that's not helpful mm-hmm. unless it's something like Matt Walsh being attacked by a legacy outlet that's trying to slander him because Matt Walsh talks. Incorrectly about LGBTQ issues. That's a giant difference. Mm-hmm. That discernment, in my opinion, is is um, or uh, that distinction, excuse me, is important because we're not we're not going to go into the drama of every single political commentator. And obviously, I'm using examples here, so no one there's no beef happening that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's that's something that I think immediately when it comes to us having a show on politics. That's yeah. one of the things that I try to avoid. Absolutely. And of course, if I ever start to slide that way, you guys are all welcome to yeah. hold me accountable. Tell us in the comments. We'll talk about specific people, just to clarify. It's just, I'm not going to do it when it's just uh, two people going back and forth for no reason. Now, when it's one person going after a politician that affects you. So I'm going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. When it's a news outlet slandering someone that affects you. Why? Because when, when news outlet, a slanders, Michael, and gets away with it, then that means that news outlet A is going to slander you
1: next. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's why I hope that distinction is making sense to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. Because the point the point and the, the qualifiers, the adjectives are foolish, ignorant controversies. Yes. There will always be controversy. Controversies are ingrained in our society because there will be ideological differences. Right. So, right. there will be controversies when ideologues promote their perspectives in an an aggressive nature as they do, yep, and we see the the war of info wars <laughs> <laughs> but the you know the the dichotomy of thought that exists in our culture oftentimes is folly is yep. ignorant. I tend to believe the Democratic-Republican dichotomy is a foolish controversy. The specific agendas that are being either crushed or built up within those policies and within those parties are issues that are relevant to our culture and to our society and the way that we think. So I'm less interested in discussing Republican versus Democrat. I mean, who cares anymore? But I'd like to think that we could have a representative from one of the parties that is honorable and able to represent the ideologies and the perspectives that are promoting truth, that are promoting relative understanding of goodness, of an absolute morality, that are rejecting the death that is so prevalent in our society, whether that death is surrounding the the infant side infanticide of children, or the castration of children mm. is a whole nother factor that these are these are pressing topics. And yeah. when it comes to our actual na- nation and border patrol and educational systems, those are also relevant to a a different degree, of course, because that's those are the places in which we educate and act upon the ideologies that are promoted in the public forum. Right. And
0: to go to your point about the two parties and I just,
1: for clarification's sake, mm-hmm. I
0: think that actually highlights one of the issues that we see is the third wayers and Tim Keller and, and Tim Keller is probably the biggest name that I think really popularized the third way rest and in peace and rest in <laughs> peace. And this is not, uh, this is not meant to bash Tim Keller. I think Tim Keller has done a lot of good things, but he's also done a lot of harm in certain areas One of the areas is the third way because there's not always a third way. And oftentimes there are evangelical leaders in what we would call big Eva that push the idea that there's this third way. It's like, well, there's the Republicans here. There's the the Democrats here. And then the center is Christ and the Christian way. And that's not true because um, you're correct that the two parties is a false dichotomy. But as we've talked about on previous episodes, it's also a misservice for a, a spiritual leader to tell you that oh both parties are equally wrong no they're not no both parties have corruption both parties have a ton of issues both parties oftentimes snub the voters that are supposed to uh, be represented by them yeah. but one party goes further one party does advocate for abortion up until birth that is popular even from national figures. Right now, they're kind of backtracking some of that. They're really pretending that they're not. Um, right now, I just saw, I think it was Jen Sackey just the other day, who used to be Biden's uh, press secretary. She just today said that no one supports that. It's mm. a lie. Go back to the debates uh, for the governor of Virginia. Terry McAuliffe straight up said that, that if a baby essentially survived a late-term abortion, he was talking like right up until... Until birth, they would basically put the baby on the table and have a discussion with the mom about what they would want to do. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's it's horrible. So to yeah. pretend that they're both equal is also false. So I just think that that's important to hammer into because I really think that that's a lot of what we're talking about. A lot of those third wayers are the people that are saying that that. Oliver Anthony's song is at Loving Your Neighbors. And a lot of those third-wayers are the ones that are saying, we don't do politics, we just preach the gospel. Forgetting that politics oftentimes affects the ability for the gospel
1: to spread. Yeah. The third way, if you want to say there's a third way, it's not as if that's the middle road between the two extremes. Yes. The moderate way is not the third way if we want to buy into that perspective. The the Christian way aligns in specific topical issues very right. much with the conservative efforts, right? But it also harkens to the heart of some liberal efforts as well. The desire of of the democratic agenda to care for people through welfare comes from a heart of compassion. The execution is often flawed, and very often. We have the same issue on the right side of the aisle as well. So if there's a third wave that leads to Christ, it is not one marked out path separate of the parties. This is why we can't just register as one party and then pick all the R's on our voting ballot. We need to be educated to make ethical decisions about the things that are going to shape our culture, that are going to shape our policies and the legislations that are being voted upon so that we can promote morality in our culture.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just the idea that you shouldn't take the third way just to pretend that there's always a third way and that mm. both sides are equally wrong. It's just just foolish. But yeah, no. that's
1: perfect. Topical. Topical. So let's talk about in those controversies that are useless, the foolish, ignorant controversies. The next verse here says... The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil. I think that's fascinating because not being quarrelsome is equated to the ability to teach. Mm. Now, in our education system, how how would you say we rate on the quarrelsome scale in higher education or (laughs) any education in the United States or any of the West?
0: All I know is that the Department of Education should not be a
1: thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> is that a good enough answer for you? <laughs> it's a good enough answer for Vivek. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> the uh, do with that what you will, but it's pretty fascinating that that comparison exists between not being quarrelsome and that being a prerequisite for being able to teach and to give you a real answer to, to actually go into what you were initially asking me.
0: There is examples that we can point to of speakers um, going to, I don't know for sure, which one of the hoity-toity schools it was. I believe it was Harvard though. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a federal judge actually came to speak at Harvard and he was shouted down by who these individuals will be future lawyers and future judges. He was Mm -hmm. shouted down and unable to speak because the students didn't want him there because he was like mildly conservative. I think he was a Trump appointed judge, um, a pretty moderate guy though. Um, And he had originally graduated from that same school, whether it was Harvard or Yale, whichever one it was. Um, But either way he was shouted down and unable to even express his ideas. That's a good example of, of the students were being quarrelsome and this individual was not able to teach because the quarrelsome nature of the school prevented real teaching
1: And real academics to take place. Which is precisely why Jordan Peterson elects to have his lectures at 7 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Because the (laughs) quarrelsome people don't want to get up early. (laughs) Right. Which I think that's just hilarious. It is hilarious. I love that that's That's one of the clips of him. It really is hilarious.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I know you have more points, so...
1: Well, yeah, I just... uh, There's a few more points that I want to touch on in this text, and that is... uh, After we're not being quarrelsome and able to teach and patiently enduring evil, which that could be a whole topic in itself is enduring evil. It really which We are tasked with on a daily basis because endurance is not strictly tolerance. Endurance I think is much more active and much more yeah. fulfilling the role of righteousness, faith, love, and peace that is discussed earlier in this verse. But, the, the final clause of that statement is correcting his opponents with gentleness. Mm. How often do we see that in the public forum? Yeah, just about never. <laughs> and part of that is because the quarrelsome nature of public debates does not allow for correction to be made. Yeah, that is part of it. You know, we were watching the debates um, separately,
0: but mm-hmm. uh, that format is not good. Honestly, I think that I think it would be so much better to do what we're doing and just sit down and discuss in a podcast forum, um, as opposed to you know you have you have thirty seconds to reply, you have to get your sound. I mean, people, a lot of people. I don't want to say too much about the debate and get way off track here, but, but you saw talking about Chris Christie time. and Vivek having to be aggressive in order to basically get heard because that's kind of how you have to be in those debates. It encourages interrupting and, and uh, one-liners and yeah, it's just, it's it's not ideal.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The correcting an opponent with gentleness requires the setting to be able to do that. And on our podcast here, in the discussions that we have, we don't always speak with people that we agree with. In fact, we don't always agree with each other at times. And Lord willing, we can speak to each other with love and patience and endure each other and endure someone who we may vehemently disagree with in order to give our perspective. And ultimately our purpose here is to point you, the viewer, to truth. Into to what is good and what is wholesome and what right. is worthy of thinking of. Right. Which is why sometimes our guests will vary greatly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And, but that's, that's part of the, that's part of the gig. Um, you were talking about the idea that we don't have the ability to basically not be quarrelsome right now in our public discord. And I think one thing, and this is, a, this could be a whole episode in itself again. Um, but there is a, um, current situation right now with the way things are in our political discord where one party is actively using their political power to engage in lawfare against the other side so one thing that i will say is there's also a time where we sort of have to embrace the quarrelsome nature not because we want to be quarrelsome but because there is a point where you have to metaphorically fight back um, with ideas, with similar tactics.
1: Would you say embrace the quarrelsome nature or endure it?
0: I would say endure it, but at the same time, here's what, here's what I mean. I mean, the individuals who say that we have to be nice at all costs, Votie bakum talks about the 11th commandment of be nice. He really popularized <laughs> that. Yeah. That includes our political leaders, and our political leaders are sitting there letting letting laws be broken by the other side many, many times, and seeing actual corruption. They let it go, because to confront that corruption would be not nice. And so, I guess, uh, I, I don't think I worded myself the best there a moment ago. More of what I'm getting at is, we have to recognize that sometimes justice is not nice. Yeah, And When one side is engaging in – when we're playing Monopoly and Michael is stealing from the bank and also stealing from me when I'm not looking, and I I know this, though. I mentally know that he's doing these things, and I just say, well, if I just can get past go one more time, I'll really be able to pull off a win. That's a lot of what the conservative movement is doing right now. (laughs) And so to some degree, there has to be a, if you're going to take from the bank, I'm going to take from the bank until we both agree to stop taking from the bank and play by the actual set of rules. That is in its own way, administering justice Mm -hmm. that by, by, I guess, holding, holding the other side accountable, the only way that you can sometimes, which is sometimes to also take money from the bank. Mm -hmm. Right. And because ultimately, that mutual destruction is what keeps peace that we actually see that in foreign policy. Why is North Korea not invading South Korea right now? Because there is a military might backing up South Korea mm-hmm. and mutual estru- destruction would ensue if North Korea tried to push their luck with South Korea. And that's more of what I'm getting at is this is, this is going back to that niceness thing. Ultimately we are not <laughs> called to be nice To a point where we roll over and just let all of our rights be taken from us because ultimately it wouldn't be loving our neighbors to let our neighbors' rights just be taken on a whim. That doesn't mean, you know, violence in the streets and breaking laws. It It just means holding our political leaders accountable.
1: Yeah. At most, civil disobedience. Right. At the very least what we're doing now in this conversation, I think. And this brings me to another scripture that we often quote on the podcast. And it's a a cornerstone for our podcast. And that's Ephesians chapter five, verse 11 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I'll continue. The next verse says, for it is shameful, even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, talking about the Old Testament, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fairly relevant. Pretty much every way we look at it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I think that might be a good place to close it unless you have any additional thoughts. Well, the last thing, and, and this I think is the driving point to our passage in Timothy, 2 Timothy, is that God, so when we do all these things that we've discussed, then God may perhaps grant them, our adversary, the foolish person, the youthful passions, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That is our ultimate goal. And that's the, the conclusion of our verse. That's the conclusion of our episode is that we do what we can so that God may lead us and anyone who views us or disagrees with us to repentance and leading them to a knowledge of the truth so that they can be saved. Amen. There we go. Oh, I
0: think that was a great way to end it. So thank you guys for watching and thank you for bearing with us. We just kind of turned on the the camera and didn't know where we were going with this, but it was a great discussion. So we will see you next week on Forge and Anvil, 8 p.m. Central time. And uh, feel free to go follow us on Twitter at Forge and A Give us five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and we'll see you next time.